Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. I'm Eileen, and joining me as always is Colleen. How you doing, Colleen? I'm good. I have an update on my coffee shop situation. I feel like I just said that I really like to work at this like local coffee shop, and I know you all are dying to know, but they just removed Wi-Fi access to any of the customers. <laughs> Who does that? Uh, because they want to foster a community environment. And I'm sad because I ended up being so productive there, but that's also literally the most Berkeley thing I've ever heard. I- so... I guess I can't blame them, and I'm still going to go there because I love their coffee. But I uh, also got a new mic arm stand thing for my microphone for my birthday, which means I've leveled up how professional my recording equipment looks. Very. And also, we're starting to wind down the rest of the year in preparation for the holidays, so we will be taking a couple of weeks off towards the end of the year. But never fear, we're already working on next year's content. Uh, But anyway, how are you, Eileen? I'm good. I decided to follow suit and I got the same, you know, arm set up as, you know, you did. And Emily helped us as we shared in the group with our noise canceling attenuator, I believe is the technical term of it. I don't know. I just call it the sound thingy. Yeah, the soundproofing thingy that goes around the mic. Uh, But it's really cool. So I'm really excited to be using it right now. Actually, I feel very, very professional. Um, But not only are we coming up on the end of the year, we are coming up on the beginning of the year and that is actually going to be our first or one year anniversary in January will mark misconduct's one year and we're going to have a special show for you guys. Yes, I cannot believe we've been doing this for almost a year. I know, it's crazy. It doesn't doesn't feel like it actually. It does not so. feel like it at all. But with that, let's jump into this week's case. Regina and Margaret Francisco are two sisters who made headlines when they were just teenagers in the summer of 2000. Regina's boyfriend, Oscar Velasquez, was found dead in a vacant lot, shot, wrapped in a tarp, and set on fire. The crime scene was gruesome and the act seemed personal. Law enforcement narrowed down on the two sisters as prime suspects. From the first round of questioning, the police were suspicious of the two girls, their alibis didn't match up, and they were nervous. Police let them go, but before they could be arrested for murder, the two girls had fled. For the next two years, the two girls would evade capture. It wasn't until the story of Oscar's murder was aired on Unsolved Mysteries 
and America's Most Wanted, Was There a Break in the Case? This week, we'll discuss the circumstances around Oscar's murder, what led to the sisters' captures, and what could have possibly motivated them to commit such a heinous crime. Regina and Margaret DeFrancisco were sisters living in the Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago's Lower West Side with their mom. Nowadays, Pilsen is considered an up-and-coming neighborhood, and that's according to our resident Chicago consultant, Jillian. And according to her, there are some really good restaurants in that area. But back in 2000, uh, which is when this case takes place, the neighborhood was a little rougher than it is now. In early summer 2000, Regina and Margaret were 17 and 16 years old. And the two girls were unassuming, and some described them as beautiful or angelic looking. Regina and Margaret grew up with their brother and their mother in Chicago, and their father was in and out of prison on drug charges, so he was generally not around for their childhood. The girls attended a better school outside of their neighborhood and were both decent students academically. According to those who knew them, they weren't known for getting in trouble. Regina would later be quoted saying that they had a loving upbringing, and she was a teacher's pet and nerd. Margaret was a notably pretty girl, and growing up, she was often rebuffing attention from boys at school. Both girls liked animals, particularly Regina, and although they went to a decent school in a good neighborhood, once they came back to Pilsen, it was a different story. Their area had a lot of gang activity, but according to their friends, the girls steered clear of all that until high school. Once in high school, the girls were a bit more difficult. Neighbors could hear them arguing with their mom, and none of it seemed to be particularly extreme. It seemed more like it was typical stuff you would expect between a parent and a teenager. Soon after, the once decent students saw their grades slip. They also started sneaking out and dating boys who were allegedly members of the Latin Kings gang that operated in their neighborhood. One of these boys was named Johnny, and Johnny dated Regina off and on in early 2000, and he was supposedly a member of the Latin Kings, but by May 2000, Johnny and Regina were not dating. Regina started dating 22-year-old Oscar Velazquez in middle of May 2000. Oscar was a truck driver, and by all accounts, he did well in providing for himself. Shortly after their relationship began, Oscar was at the DeFrancisco house when Regina told him that she was going to jail unless she got money for bail. The amount she needed? Margaret chimed in and told Oscar unless they came up with $1,000, Regina would be taken to jail. In reality, Regina didn't need bail money. In fact, she wasn't even going to jail. The story about their need for bail money was a lie the two girls made up. I couldn't even find any information on what they could have needed the $1,000 for other than they just wanted $1,000. Oscar loaned the girls the money and expected to be repaid. I think the way he saw it, he was keeping his new girlfriend out of jail. Word somehow got back to Oscar that he had been duped and Regina was not out on bail and she wasn't even currently being charged with anything. Furious that he had been tricked, Oscar tried contacting the girls to get his money back, but Regina and Margaret were avoiding him. Between May 30th and June 4th, Oscar called their home 24 times, demanding that they repay him. On June 6th, Margaret called her friend Veronica Garcia and asked if she could borrow her boyfriend's gun. According to Veronica, she did not know what the gun was for, but she told Margaret that she could probably get it for them, to which Margaret replied, come over to my house when you have it. The account of what happens next is based on Veronica's testimony of what happened the day Oscar was killed. Veronica and her boyfriend came by the DeFrancisco house to deliver the gun. 
When they dropped the gun off, Veronica decided to stay with her friends. After her boyfriend left, the only people in the house were the sisters and Veronica. Oscar was supposed to come by soon, and while they waited for him, Veronica said that Margaret and Regina were discussing how and where they planned on robbing him. A call was made from the DeFrancisco house to Oscar's house at 7.06 p.m., and he showed up to the house shortly after that call. When Oscar arrived, Regina was down in the basement, and Margaret let him in. After a few minutes, Regina called him to come to the basement, and he headed down the stairs. Margaret followed him, but what Oscar did not know was that she was holding Veronica's boyfriend's gun behind her back. They disappeared out of Veronica's sight, and about 20 seconds later, she heard a gunshot coming from the basement. She went to the basement door and saw Margaret walking down the lower half of the staircase, and beyond Margaret, she saw Oscar lying on the ground, bleeding. Regina and Margaret then took all of Oscar's personal items off of him. They got his keys, cell phone, a gun, and a wallet with $600 in it. Veronica had brought the gun over under the impression that the two wanted to use it to scare Oscar, not kill him. Veronica said that she was screaming at them, asking them why they killed him, but they were ignoring her. They grabbed some sheets and wrapped Oscar's body in it, and the three girls together dragged the body outside and put it in the trunk of Oscar's car, which was a white Camaro. They took the body to a vacant lot, doused the body in nail polish remover, and then set it on fire. Someone called 911 to report the fire, and when they realized what was on fire was a person, they called 911 again, this time to report a dead body. After disposing of the body, the girls reportedly tried to sell Oscar's gun and car. They didn't have any luck trying to sell the car, so they abandoned it outside of town and set it on fire. On June 7th, a friend visited the house and testified during trial that there was a big stain on the floor of the basement and that she thought it looked like blood. When the friend asked about the stain, Regina replied that they, quote, killed a guy. Then the two sisters elaborated that they called Oscar over to their house, saying that they wanted to return his $1,000, but in reality, they never planned to give it back. A neighbor said that she saw three people loading a large object wrapped in a sheet into the trunk of a white Camaro. The neighbor identified the two girls as Regina and Margaret. This would corroborate what Veronica said happened after she went down to the basement and saw Oscar's body. She said she helped the girls put the body in the trunk of his car. Later, the same neighbor said that Regina went to her and told her that Margaret shot Oscar and they wrapped the body in the sheet and took it to the vacant lot and set it on fire. When the neighbor asked why they killed Oscar, she said they did it for the money. Between the initial $1,000 loan and the money that they took off of him after he died, the girls only made out with about $1,600. In 2000, an acquaintance of the DeFrancisco sisters told law enforcement that they were planning to flee the area. According to the acquaintance, they had conversations with the sisters about planning to run away and saw them buy blonde hair dye. The two had connections in Texas, and they were planning on leaving because they felt like police were narrowing down on them as prime suspects. Before they could be arrested, Margaret and Regina went on the run. It would be two years before law enforcement would track either of the girls down. After they skipped town, the case went stagnant. In November 2001, Unsolved Mysteries featured Oscar's murder on an episode, and the case was aired on America's Most Wanted as well. After that, a few leads came into law enforcement, but still there was no reported sightings of the girls. On March 24, 2002, that changed. 
police had staked out an apartment building in Roscoe, Illinois. Roscoe is a town about an hour and a half north of Chicago and the home of an aunt of Regina and Margaret. Police were acting on a tip from someone who watched a rerun of the America's Most Wanted episode and recognized Margaret from their neighborhood. As the police honed in on the building at the end of the sleepy cul-de-sac, neighbors were shocked. They were even more surprised that the reason they were there was to pick up the pretty but shy and elusive teenager who rented the upstairs apartment and that she stood accused of murder. On the rare occasion that she was seen, neighbors said that she would quickly run back inside. It, It didn't really ever seem like she left the house. Although Margaret's aunt was knowingly hiding her, her aunt's husband had no idea they were harboring a fugitive. It wasn't until she was captured that he realized that his wife's quiet niece was in trouble. Police knocked on the aunt's door, and she led them upstairs to Margaret's apartment. When police found Margaret in her bedroom, she was reportedly not alarmed or even nervous. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Nervous. She was handcuffed with a blank look on her face that was, quote, hard to read. When she was arrested, she was charged with the murder of Oscar Velasquez and unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. Now, Regina's life on the run was remarkably different from Margaret's quiet two years. Regina tried to contact her ex-boyfriend, Johnny, who who had relocated to Texas, even though she only had a P.O. box to go off of. When she decided to skip town, she took a bus to Laredo, Texas. She finally linked up with Johnny once she made it to Texas. She quickly fell into Johnny's lifestyle. The two allegedly got into selling drugs to make ends meet. When the story appeared on Unsolved Mysteries in America's Most Wanted, Regina changed her name and appearance to try to further conceal her identity. Regina was caught by law enforcement almost purely by chance. In October of 2002, in a rundown neighborhood in Dallas, law enforcement served a search warrant on an apartment. The apartment belonged to Regina's boyfriend, Johnny. The search warrant did not. Police mistakenly went into the wrong apartment, but while they were searching the wrong apartment, they found marijuana and crack, and some of it was packaged off to sell. So I have a question. How do you feel about that? Because serving a search warrant at the wrong house and then catching them do illegal things, I don't know. You know, they really shouldn't have been there in the first place, so it's like, Can they now, you know, charge you with what they find when they shouldn't even have been inside your apartment? I I don't know how that works, but it seems a little uh, to me. Yeah, I I don't think they should have been arrested on, you know, I get get on one hand they caught a murderer. So like, okay, that's, you know, 
that's a happy side effect, I, I suppose. But if we let law enforcement serve the wrong house and then go ahead and make arrests on what they find when they shouldn't have been in your house to begin with, you know, they had, they're in the wrong house. It's a legal search and seizure, in my opinion. I don't know. It can lead to some scarier circumstances. I get in this, it kind of worked out, but I don't know. I don't think it's, it's I see right. what you mean. Like yeah. a kind of like a slippery slope. Very. Yeah. Very, very. That's pretty crazy that I guess they got away with it. Like I said, happy. She's a murderer. But yeah, usually no. <laughs> Police found Regina asleep in a bedroom and she sleepily showed a valid Texas ID card, but was reluctant to look detectives in the eyes. The ID card did not have her real name on it and the police did not detain her. But authorities were suspicious of her. Regina and Margaret had a known connection to Johnny and to Texas, so the building manager assisted in setting up a sting for law enforcement. Under the guise of a meeting, Regina pulled up to the apartment in an SUV. As she saw law enforcement closing in, the car took off, and she led them on a high-speed chase through residential neighborhoods in Dallas that at times topped 90 miles per hour. Police chased the SUV until it slammed into a median, which damaged the tires so badly that the car couldn't be driven anymore. Regina jumped out of the car and started running. A deputy chased her for 30 yards before he took a running leap and tackled her. All Regina had on her was her cell phone and $1,500 in cash. Her tattoos were used to preliminarily identify her, and she was formally identified once she was arrested and brought back to the station. Police said once she was detained that she wouldn't speak or answer to her name. And I, I think she knew it was over. I think she knew she was caught and that she wasn't going to be able to get out of it. But she really did put up a hell of a fight, I feel like. Totally. Regina was extradited back to Illinois and charged with murder and unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, just like Margaret. The trial began in July 2004, and both sisters pleaded not guilty by reason of self-defense. Their friend Veronica took a deal offered by the prosecution and became their star witness. Veronica pled guilty to a charge of concealment of homicide for her role in assisting Regina and Margaret dispose of Oscar's body. This is a lesser charge than she could have been charged with, and in exchange for her guilty plea, she received a shortened prison sentence. She served five years and then she was released. When Veronica testified, she didn't know that the sisters planned to kill Oscar. She also said that she thought the gun was going to be used in a robbery, which is why she had her boyfriend bring it over. I think she kind of meant like she would never have brought it over if she thought they were going to kill somebody. She then reiterated what she told investigators, that Margaret let Oscar in when he arrived at the house, and then Regina was in the basement and called for Oscar to come down. Oscar was followed by Margaret, who had a gun behind her back. Then after they disappeared from view into the basement, Veronica heard a gunshot and went over and saw Oscar lying on the ground bleeding. She also said that she saw Margaret kick Oscar to make sure that he was dead. Then she helped the sisters load his body into the trunk so they could take it to the vacant lot and burn it. The prosecution also had testimony from neighbors and friends who testified that the sisters told them that they had killed Oscar and disposed of his body. The neighbor who saw the three girls loading something large into the trunk of Oscar's white Camaro also testified for the prosecution. When Margaret took the stand, she told a different story. She said that she did kill Oscar, but she did so in self-defense of herself and her sister. She said that when Oscar came over, he was mad because he knew that they had lied about what they wanted the $1,000 for. 
She said she came into the living room, surprised to see him on her couch. They started arguing and went down to the basement. Oscar followed her to the basement and began screaming and cursing at her. According to Regina, that is when Oscar pulled a gun on her. She said she collapsed to the ground and begged him not to kill her, and that's when she heard a gunshot. When she looked up, she saw Margaret standing on the basement stairs with a gun in her hand and Oscar was bleeding on the ground. Regina also testified that it was Veronica that convinced them to dispose of the body and try to make sure the police could not identify Oscar. The jury deliberated for over six hours before returning a guilty verdict for Regina for murder during an armed robbery. In Margaret's case, the jury deadlocked 11 to 1 in favor of guilty. A mistrial was declared and Margaret was out on bail while waiting for her retrial. On September 9th, 2004, Regina DeFrancisco was sentenced to 35 years in prison. In November of 2004, Margaret faced her retrial. Veronica testified for the prosecution again, and this time Margaret was found guilty for first-degree murder. On December 14th, 2004, Margaret was sentenced to 46 years in prison. Both sisters are incarcerated at the Logan Correctional Center in Lincoln, Illinois. Both sisters have also tried to appeal their verdicts multiple times, all of which have been unsuccessful. So for final thoughts, my overall thoughts on the case, I don't know if I'll ever get used to these cases where people commit these like heinous crimes where it seems to be nothing. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't care, but they took a human life for less than like two grand. Yeah, her boyfriend too. Right. And putting aside the fact that they killed someone, even looking at it kind of from like a selfish standpoint, it doesn't seem logical to me either. You know, it's like, why risk going to prison for life for a couple thousand dollars? So it's just like that type of behavior that like, it scares me, I guess, like a lot. Yeah, it's just, it's so illogical and there's just no reasoning behind it. So yeah, it scares me too, because it can pretty much happen to anyone because there's nothing you can do to sort of, you know, uh, will stop it or even prevent it because it's yeah so but what do you think about veronica's testimony versus regina and margaret's testimony i personally believe veronica because best case scenario that day in 2000 regina and margaret wanted to rob oscar yeah you know if it was self-defense why did they go on the run for two years and they tried to sell his car and then don't even get me started on how they disposed of his body i the actions were just so callous Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, you have to. That's so personal to what they did to him. It's so sad. And yeah, Veronica really doesn't have a reason to lie. And exactly why try to sell his car, his gun and then go on the run. And yeah, so it's pretty sad. But are you happy with the sentences they got? I am happy with the verdict. You know, they're going to be old women before they are released. And their callous reaction, like I said, their callous reaction to the crime makes me feel like a long prison sentence is probably justified yeah i feel like they should have gotten life but yeah the long sentence is good for me too but like you said they'll be old women before they get out but yeah gosh it's just like you said what they did to him that's yeah so callous and just awful disgusting but but yes i am happy with what they got i kind of wish they would have gotten more but I, i think it's good what they got but that is our case for the week Before we go, we do have some housekeeping to take care of. So first off, we want to say thank you to some of our listeners who took the time to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Ankles1959, HotDoggy90, and Jules S. for your reviews. Uh, Leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts really helps out the show. Plus, we love to hear from you. So thank you so much. 
We also want to say thank you to some of our new Patreon supporters. We are catching up. So uh, thank you for your patience as well. Uh, Thank you to Lee and Let's Talk Pods for your generosity. If you are interested in checking out some of our merchandise, head over to patreon.com forward slash misconduct podcast to check out our stuff. And this week's podcast recommendation is Court Junkie. Eileen and I are huge fans of the show, and Jillian has always been so kind and helpful when we were getting our show off the ground. Yeah. So if you haven't done so already, you definitely need to check Court Junkie out. Uh, Hang around after the outro to hear a word from Jillian. And that wraps us up for another episode of Misconduct. Thank you so much for joining us. Head over to our Facebook group to discuss this week's case. If you're not already a member, join and one of our mods will add you ASAP. We love to hear your thoughts and opinions on the cases, so hop on over and let us know what you think of today's case. What do you think of Regina and Margaret? Do you find their murderers as cold-blooded and calculating as we did? You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MisconductPod. We want to give a huge shout out to the Blank Tapes for our intro and outro music. Be sure to check them out on Bandcamp to listen to more of their music. If you have a case suggestion, let us know about it. You can email us at misconductpodcast at gmail.com and we will see you next week. Imagine being accused of a horrible crime that you know you didn't commit. That's in episode one. Imagine your child's killer is still on the loose, but the authorities keep saying they don't suspect foul play. That's in episode four. Or imagine that you've spent 17 years in prison, only to then be fully exonerated due to advances in science. That's episode 10. My name is Jillian, and my podcast is Court Junkie, where I cover criminal trials and court cases and conduct interviews with those close to the case. Check out Court Junkie, available now, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.